sitting at the desk in his office, Cochrane desperately tried to make sense of Pat's latest revelations. Also, rereading the latest statements from Mr. Francis's assistant, he was convinced that the couple cited by both of them must have had something to do with this whole affair. How and why were the questions he hoped to answer, but they were driving him crazy. Yet Cochrane knew that his instincts would rarely lead him down a dead end. Sooner or later, something would happen that would light his path. At that same moment, Carmenate knocked on the door, appearing shortly after with a smile and a cup of steaming coffee in his hand. That's a good sign, Cochrane thought. Well, Carmenate began, I've thought about this whole story for a long time, and reading all of the reports we've compiled so many times, there's something buzzing in my head that I can't get rid of. Cochrane sipped his coffee, feeling particularly proud of his young colleague. Carmenate held his breath. The little things, right? As you always tell me. And then I reached a point that torments me. Cochrane put the cup on the desk and cleared his throat. Since we have been working together, I have always shown you that I have full confidence in your ability to go beyond the appearances of things and to open your mind not only to the possible but also to the impossible. Now it seems to me that the time has come for you to demonstrate this same openness towards yourself. Come on, shoot. The young detective took a very long breath. Hazelton, Misery Mountain, do you remember? Cochrane said yes and resumed sipping his coffee as if he were watching the main scene of a crime drama, sitting comfortably on the sofa at his house. Carmenate nodded. Well, I've read Agent King's report at least ten times, and bang, a punch in the face. 
Cochrane smiled, because Carmenate really looked like something out of a Melville film. Carmenate's face suddenly became more serious, as if he really wanted to create some suspense before the final reveal. The letters, the letters between those two prisoners, Constance Prince, the one killed in the explosion, and Philip O'Neill, the man who wrote to her. Cochrane was silent for a few moments. For some mysterious reason, Crest's words about love conquering every other law of the universe resonated in his head. Open your mind to the impossible. Indeed. Have you checked whether a couple like them left the country around August 10th? Carmenate gasped. No, I was waiting to talk to you about it before doing anything else. Cochrane looked him in the eyes as if to say, Come on, it's time he started taking risks. Then he cleared his throat. Go ahead and let me know what you find. I have to meet Pat at Crest's house first. Join us there whenever you want. Carmenate felt his heart burst from his chest. Detective Carmenate 2.0, he thought, leaving the room. Cochrane stood up too, feeling relieved and conflicted at the same time. But for a few months now, he had known that both feelings responded to the same name, Cassandra, and there was still one important thing to do. Walking to his car, he stopped to buy flowers from a street vendor, blue irises, which he knew were Cassandra's favourites. Then, not far away, he glimpsed the window of an antique shop, one of the historic ones that survived the shopping centres. Without thinking too much, he found himself wandering among the displays of that shop, inebriated by the scent of history and the eucalyptus diffuser. 
How much does it cost? He asked the owner, pointing to a Victorian ring, displayed in a small glass case. The man, with a well-groomed moustache and an aristocratic air, took the ring in his hand. It is a unique piece which represents the world. See, this antique white gold setting holds a pure sapphire surrounded by diamond stars. And if you look at it carefully, you will see that they are two branches reaching out, which support the terrestrial globe. Cochrane thought his instincts had hit the mark once again. Okay, I will take it. Obviously, if the ring doesn't fit, I will come back together with. The man preceded him. With your girlfriend, certainly. Cochrane felt out of breath, then liberated and happy, like he had never been before. Like when they extracted a bullet from his shoulder without anesthesia. First hell, then ecstasy. Love, precisely. He got into the car and started the engine. The radio was playing You and Me by the Dave Matthews Band. On the other side of town, Pat was walking, thinking about what would happen in a few minutes. Cochrane had asked him for a meeting without specifying anything else. And at Crest's house, where he could never be completely comfortable. But why? Why on earth would he fear anything? And why could he never feel completely at ease, unless on stage singing. Vulnerability is a part of his makeup. It is something to manage and cope with. He doesn't know how to be still. Pat looked up and saw a red-winged blackbird looking down at him from up on high on the telephone wire. Blackbird by the Beatles poured through his being. He loved that melody. It was beyond beautiful. He loved singing it. And for a moment... He forgot about planet Earth. He loved the way music took you away 
from everything and put you in a different space completely. Then the happiest of accidents. A car parked in front of him with the windows wound down all along the watchtower by Jimi Hendrix poured out of the car. It was mesmerizing. Pat stood still, transfixed. He imagined seeing Jimmy playing live, there and then, in the street, oblivious to the reality and context around him, locked in the obsession of the feeling and the rhythm, total synthesis with the music, totally lost in the sound, connected, a wildfire that was no longer in this world, but still his spirit played on, his fingers and his voice relayed all the beautiful longing of being. If there was ever a sense of timelessness, a sense that time is no longer fit for purpose on this earth, this moment was it. The heart moves in a different way in a different space. And after a few minutes, without even realizing it, Pat found himself in front of the door of Crest's house, from which I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett and the Black Hearts could be clearly heard (laughs) 